Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. So this girl on TikTok uh, came across a For You page and she pulled my tarot card. She said, I'm supposed to find my soulmate this week. That's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. It's already Wednesday. Oh, shit. Yeah, it is. You only got two more days. Well, when does the weekend? Sunday? Maybe. You think you think that her week is ending on a Saturday or ending on a Sunday? Give me a little extra time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Texie will be your soulmate. That's probably it. Yeah, I'm supposed to be dog-sitting for Taylor this week. So me and Texie boy gonna have a lot of fun. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, He's probably just gonna look at me and be like, where are my parents? We have been watching this show on Netflix. It's actually pretty good. It's called uh, like Dog Intervention or something. And he does all this dog training. And so today I took Texie out and was doing some of the trainings that he did. They were working. Like straight up. And I was like, this is some free dog training. So who knows? By Saturday, Tex may be whipped into shape. Doubt it. But one could hope. Doubt it, but... I would appreciate it if he would be whipped to the shape. Wow. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give a full disclosure. I am very tired today. I did not get much sleep last night. Um, And this morning, I was too anxious to drink coffee. So, I didn't drink coffee until 3 p.m. today. About fell asleep at my desk uh, is a whole thing. Um, So... If I say anything that doesn't sound like English, doesn't make much sense, we're just going to gloss right over it, as we do every week. We ain't going to say anything about me not being able to read. We're just going to move on. Well, I've had two cups of iced coffee today. Uh, One of them I just had about 30 minutes ago, so we'll see how that goes. Um, And I also had a chocolate chip cookie. So maybe on a sugar high. I also ate some jambalaya, so I maybe I may burp. Couldn't say. <laughs> Got a lot going on in this tummy of mine. You eat a lot of jambalaya at your house. Shit's good, and it's so easy. You just throw it in a pot, let it boil for like twenty minutes. Done. Now, is it like authentic New Orleans style? Hell no. It's Zatarans in a box. Zetaran is authentic. Add a little bit of hot sauce to it. It was pretty spicy today. I don't know what I did to it, but it was good and I got leftovers, so that's all you can ask for. It's leftovers? Mm-hmm. I love a leftover. If you if you don't like a leftover, I can't trust you. Brandon don't like a leftover except for certain things, but you know what? If you ain't got leftovers, shit. If I didn't like a leftover, I wouldn't eat because it's just me. I'm just always cooking for myself. Cooking for one. How depressing. But, uh, so I cook one thing and, you know, that that feeds me at least three day, days worth of meals. See? Even cooking for two. You always got leftovers. And here, me and Brandon, uh, uh, back when we first, like, moved in together, we ran into an issue because what we had did instead of using leftovers, we just ate every single thing the first night and i gained like a lot of weight so had to quit doing that yeah i do love a leftover though so i i agree you cannot trust honestly some things are better as a leftover well listen you froze first 
Well, you to be fair, you were still talking on your end. I just didn't know what you were saying, but you know what? Yeah, I'm sure I didn't know. I'm gonna be honest hell. with you. So our <laughs> our internet connection is very shitty. It's a hot mess today. It's a hot mess today. And I think it's on both I'm of our mess. ends. Yeah, that's what's weird. It's not because it'll definitely say like unstable internet connection on my end, and then it'll also say it on Taylor's end. So. This will be really fun for me to edit tomorrow. I guess just the world. Probably. Honestly, probably. Because honestly, that would make sense because my phone was not downloading TikToks properly at work. How am I supposed to avoid my responsibilities at work if TikTok is not downloading properly? TikTok goes down. The whole world goes down with it. Um, but you know what? We're five minutes in almost and we haven't told you what you're here for. Uh, this is a podcast called This Is Gonna Sound Weird. <laughs> yes, it is a podcast called This Is Gonna Sound Weird. Uh, in this podcast, we talk about all things true crime, paranormal, everything in between. This week, specifically, we are talking about government conspiracies. Dun, dun, dun. Mine uh, is probably not what you would expect based on the title, but it surprising nonetheless i have no idea what you just said because <laughs> it was the way i would describe the internet connection right now is that of dial-up internet i think my parents like desktop <laughs> computer had better connectivity than we do now and at we're just gonna be like we're just gonna be we're just, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. You shut your mouth. I'm going to talk. <laughs> so we're probably just going to have, okay. I'm going to really look, see what she doing. There might be some awkward pauses. I'll try to edit it out. What were you going to say about the same sentiments? Uh, I was going to say that we're just going to be telling each other jokes and then we're going to think we're completely unfunny because all the other is Sydney's just going to be sitting there going frozen as hell and be like all right well guess i'll just not say that ever again <laughs> you're just gonna have to really have confidence in yourself this week that what you are saying is funny i can't i can't do it anyways well let's get into it this week okay. uh you're gonna go first this week i went first last week i do believe oh hold on i'm gonna stop you right there before we even get started uh i do have a correction uh, a few episodes ago i mentioned that my friend Joe had told a story. Uh, turns out I misremembered some of the story and he wanted me to do a little bit of a correction. So the movie Jeepers Creepers <laughs> is based off of actual events. In a previous oh. episode, I said that it was just a couple who was driving down the street and they were chased down by a crazy person in a car. What the actual story is mm -hmm. that this couple was driving down the street and they saw a man dumping bodies into like a hole or down like a pipe and then oh. and then the car started chasing them. And in a real life story, they never figured out who did it. In the movie Jeepers Creepers, it's this monster that like eats you. So do apologize, Joe. Um I am a 90-year-old woman, and I only remember things like what time bingo is. 
Now, that version's a little spicier than what you told us, so I appreciate that correction. Makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Joe recommends we have a, a segment where we have people call in, uh, but we're going to have to get a few more listeners for us to have like a live show where people call in. So please <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. Share with a friend. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. This is going to sound weird, pod. Yeah, tell a, tell a friend. Shit. Okay. Now, now are we ready for my story? Yes, God. Okay. My story, um, there's not really a name to it. It's a government conspiracy theory that was initially a theory, but it came true. It was like a true conspiracy theory. So, we're, I'm not going to like really reveal too much up top. But I'll give you my sources up top. So we got Britannica.com, Wikipedia.com, USAToday.com. Um, it was an article by Matt, Matthew Brown. Uh, Slate.com, The Chemist War by Deborah Bloom. Um, and yeah, BusinessInsider.com. Nine huge government conspiracy theories that actually happened. So, here's where we are. It's Christmas Eve, 1926. It's beautiful outside. The streets are filled with snow and, you know, lights. Um, so it's real pretty. But inside New York's Bellevue Hospital, not all was so light and cheery. On this night, a man stumbled into the emergency room and he was flushed and filled with fear. He kept telling the nurses that there was a deranged Santa Claus that was chasing him, wielding a baseball bat, and he was scared that the Santa was going to hurt or kill him. But there was no Santa Claus chasing him, and before the hospital staff was able to assess what was going on with this man, he died. So... Turns out the man was having a severe alcohol-induced hallucination. So that is why he thought that the Santa Claus was chasing him with a baseball bat. But this trend uh, continued, this trend of alcohol-induced death, that is, continued over the next few days. And as Christmas Day came to an end, the hospital tallied more than 60 people who had been made extremely sick by alcohol, and eight had actually died from the alcohol. And then within just the next two days, another 23 people died who had been celebrating the, host- who had been celebrating the holidays with some alcoholic beverages. So, at this time, the doctors were pretty accustomed to alcohol poisoning, you know, coming to the hospital, mostly because it was a uh, prohibition era and bootlegged alcohol was often made not quite properly, so it made people get sick, you know, a lot of times. But apparently this outbreak and the deaths that were happening was a lot different than the usual alcohol sickness and death. Um, I would assume that more people were coming in sick and actually dying. Uh... I've never had alcohol poisoning, so I could not say. Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. (laughs) Just drink a little bit of Pedialyte. Have I been close to it before? Probably. (laughs) Couldn't say. We've all all been been close to it. I know it to be true. 
I've dragged Sydney up the stairs a time or two. As have I. I've been... <laughs> I've been pushed up the stairs for sure. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been fully dragged. Uh, I'm a little bit too heavy to be dragging around. <laughs> uh, listen... Uh, yeah, that's all you need to know. Yeah, we've we've been drug, <laughs> both of us been drug up the stairs a time or two. Had to be put to bed, lay to rest. Wait. <laughs> Anyways, so now let's go back in time a little bit, shall we? Because you're probably you know what's going on. Why are all these people in New York City dying from alcohol during Christmas time in 1926? So we're going to we're going to go back a decent ways. We're going back to the 1830s, because in the 1830s was the start of the temperance movement in the United States, which I'm sure you know a lot of people have heard of it. But basically, what it is is that during this movement, people promoted moderation uh, and often complete abstinence in the use of alcohol. So basically, they were like, "Alcohol's bad. We need to quit using it." I mean, what a bunch of lamos. Lame. I guess they don't like dragging their friends up the stairs. <laughs> Lame losers. <laughs> Bet their livers don't even aren't even about to die. <laughs> I bet you their livers are fully functioning and intact. <laughs> losers. <laughs> but this movement, the temperance movement, uh like eventually led to the ratification of the 18th amendment to the constitution in 1920 which banned the manufacture sale and transportation of alcoholic beverages but this was interesting it banned that but it did not ban the consumption so you could drink alcohol but you could not make it sell it or transport it and so i was like i mean at that point i guess you really can't drink it because you can't fucking make it they really tried to pull one over on us there. Um, so this uh, prohibition, it, like, it started in the temperance movement, but it was really pushed in 1919 because people were really worried that our country was going into just complete moral decay. Uh, you know, just after coming back from World War One, war times, everybody's drinking. I mean, of course, you're going to drink during war times. What else are you supposed to do? Shit. But despite this new amendment to the Constitution, it did not deter the people from drinking alcohol, obviously. Alcoholism actually soared. It just shot through the roof. (laughs) (laughs) That's very similar to nowadays with COVID. You know, you see, you know what you want to see? You see a lot of increases in divorces and increase in alcohol sales. Do the two correlate? Probably. Maybe. Look, it's always more fun when you're not supposed to do it, you know? Because, you know, once you can just drink alcohol all the time, you know, it ain't fun, is it? I couldn't say. But apparently for these people, maybe they was just trying to say, you know, we hate the government. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the 1920s, obviously, speakeasies became the, the big place. And that was where people went to drink, which now speakeasies are all romanticized and cool. That's where the hipsters hang out or whatever. I really would like to go to a, a, I don't want to go to a speakeasy because now like, 
I think modern speakeasies where you gotta go like knock on the door five times and give a password, I think that's kind of lame because who cares? It's just some, like I said, it's just some hipster standing at the door thinking they're cool. I just want to go to like a speakeasy themed place. I don't really, I don't need the whole rap three times and then tell me the name of my mother's best friend or some dumb shit. I don't know. Never been to one, clearly. I just, I just would like to go someplace with, you know, fancy cocktails. I went to a restaurant in Florida where it's very, like, prohibition themed. And I got myself a nice gin drink. I got myself, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a, a French 75. It was, the presentation was fantastic. But that's what I want. I want something with a little bit more fanfare. Very gas- mm-hmm. Gatsby-esque. If I'm going to be honest, I don't trust any speakeasy prohibition 1920s themed anything. I went to a 1920s themed uh, New Year's party last year and we saw what happened to that year. It just went to shit. So we'll just, maybe we should just stick away from anything themed that. But anyways, by the end of the 1920s, about 30,000 speakeasies existed in New York City alone. Which, that sounds like a lot to me. Um, I don't know how big they, a lot of them were, but, you know. But along with this, a lot of different groups and people began to smuggle and steal and manufacture illegal alcohol so the people could continue to drink. And apparently the response to Prohibition actually shocked a lot of people. Um, because they, apparently, they li- they really thought that, quote, it was going to usher in a new era of upright behavior. And I was like, LOL. Y'all really thought alcohol was going to just, like, change this whole country? Y- y'all thought wrong, clearly. But the government was able to curb some of the smuggling, mostly from Canada and other countries, by focusing pretty hard on enforcement, but organized crime groups began to steal large quantities of industrial alcohol within America, and the industrial alcohol is used for stuff like paint, fuel, medical supplies, etc., and they would take this industrial alcohol and then redistill it in order, you know, to make it safe to drink. And so, industrial alcohol, which... Now, this part gets a little, not science-y, but I didn't really understood how it works. But now, to me, it's quite interesting. I was telling Brandon about it while I was researching. You know, he loves him a good alcoholic beverage. I'm sure he's drinking a beer right now. But industrial alcohol is basically just grain alcohol with some chemicals mixed in, which ultimately makes it undrinkable. And the reason that, and I don't know if this is the only reason, But starting in 1906, the government actually required manufacturers to, quote, to denature their alcohol. And the reason that they had to denature it was to avoid having... I'm going to start that over because I hit my microphone. The reason that they had to denature the alcohol was to make it not able to be, like, for people to drink. And apparently if you didn't denature your alcohol, then the government imposed these like high taxes on your business. And so to me, what it sounds like is the government, like there's not really a reason to do this denaturing process other than the fact that the government doesn't want the alcohol you buy to put on your cut to be able to be used for drinking purposes. 
because apparently denaturing is basically just the process of adding harmful chemicals into the alcohol. And some chemicals make it poisonous. Some just make it taste bad or smell bad. And some of it just makes it kind of nauseating just to curb the recreational consumption of it. They're trying to keep me from drinking Listerine is basically what it is. Yeah. Really, and I didn't, I don't know, like, if there's, let's say, alcohol that you pour on, like, your cuts. I don't know, like, if I just poured, like, straight vodka on my cut, does it do the same thing? Yeah, you, it, yeah, it just goes, it just goes straight into your bloodstream, and you get drunk much faster. Hell yeah. But, I mean, I know that people have been using, like, regular alcohol to make uh like hand sanitizer in the corona days that's wild and hand sanitizer smell like shitty alcohol that in the, <laughs> when you buy it it gives me ptsd yeah from. the hand sanitizer these days smells like tequila and bad decisions i know i've almost thrown up a couple times in the store after putting some on luckily the mask makes it to where it doesn't smell so bad Anyways, so the U.S. Treasury Department is the overseer of alcohol enforcement. And so by the mid-1920s, it was estimated that about 60 million gallons of industrial alcohol were being stolen each year by these bootleggers. And the bootleggers were turning it into drinkable alcohol. So in 1926, President Calvin Coolidge got a brilliant idea. He was like, I'm going to get some chemists in here and we're going to use them to create a new alcohol enforcement tool. So before he came into office and got this little plan, there were about 70 denaturing formulas out there. And like I said, most of them were just to make the alcohol taste bad, smell bad, maybe a little poisonous if you drink it, but not too bad. But at this time, the organized, the alcohol, like the denaturing stuff that like processes, the organized crime groups, they're obviously real serious about their business. And they would employ chemists to renature the alcohol in order to make it drinkable. So these groups paid a lot of money for their chemists. They paid more than the government did. And they were very um, effective in redistilling the stolen alcohol. And so when the government realized like how successful they were, they were like, we got to make this alcohol much, much more deadly. So, in 1926 and 1927, there were some new denaturing formulas that were required. And they included some pretty notable poisons such as kerosene, gasoline, benzene, cadmium, iodine, zinc, mercury salts, nicotine, ether, formaldehyde, chloroform, camphor, carbonic acid, quinine, and acetone. So, basically... What the government was doing is that they said, we are going to put all these deadly chemicals in here so the bootleggers can't, like, get it out. But all the while knowing that the people were going to drink it and drink all these poisons, like the American people. And they also, the Treasury Department demanded that methyl alcohol be added up to 10% of the total product, which was a lot more than before. And this addition ended up making... The alcohol most deadly. So the results of these new demands by the government uh, took effect pretty much immediately. 
And as we saw in the beginning of the story, people began dying at a large rate from alcohol poisoning right off the bat. Public health officials, especially in New York City, were in shock over what the government was doing. And the medical examiners could, like, see, whenever they would do, like, autopsies, they could see, like, you know, what was going on. And they issued a warning stating that, quote, practically all the liquor that is sold in New York today is toxic. And they said this in 1928. So this little agenda conspiracy to poison the alcohol was started in 1926 and was still going on in 1928. And the medical examiner of New York City, Charles Norris, also condemned the government uh, for the fact that this policy had a disproportionate effect on the poor because rich people were able to get, I guess, you know, the more fancy alcohol that had probably had more time to be made to drink. And so the people that were dying were the poor people who couldn't afford the expensive alcohol. Um, so the cheap stuff wasn't really filtered for most or as many of the toxins. Also, you know, if you're, if you're down on your luck, you just want to drink. I mean, what else you gonna do? And if you can find some cheap speakeasy alcohol, I mean, come on now. Also, the story made me think of that one guy I told the story about who they kept trying to poison him with alcohol and he wouldn't freaking die. I don't know if this was around the same time or not, but he he would have loved this new government formula <laughs> he'd alcohol. Like, he'd be like, it's just got a little something. It's got a little something, a little extra flavor. I'd, I'd like to have another glass. It's like, it's like uh, Rice Krispie Treats, the packaged oh, ones. God, I they're so much better than home. They're so much better than homemade. Homemade Rice Krispie Treat, I hate mm. it. The ones that got them preservatives in it, it adds some flavor that you just cannot get. Ah, uh, Lord. Sometimes I forget that a Rice Krispie Treat exists, and then I have one, and I'm like, what have I been missing? Yes, a pre-packaged Rice Krispie Treat Brandon is got- elite. Brandon got me a big one for my birthday, so, and I ate that shit up, but it do hurt your teeth a little bit. Uh, I guess it's so sweet. It just, mm. He also got me a, um, a Reese's bar. Instead of Reese's cup, it was a Reese's bar, and he got it from me, okay? It was kind of big. He got it from me, and I ate it because it was mine, and then he had the audacity to ask me where the Reese's bar was, and then ask me why I ate it all so quickly because he wanted some of it. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. That was mine. Anyways, back to alcohol poisoning. Um, So the number of people who died from this government poison alcohol was not small. Um, In 1926, in New York City alone, 1,200 people became sick from the poisoned alcohol and 400 died. And then in 1927, 700 people died. And then similar numbers were reported in cities all over the country and public health officials around the nation were incredibly upset about what was going on. And a lot of the anti-prohibition legislators were pushing to end the use of lethal chemistry and industrial alcohols, but the program did not officially end until the 18th Amendment was repealed, which was not until 1933. And after this... It just kind of went away and people didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about the fact that the government had poisoned all this alcohol for going on. I don't know. This is like seven years. And when I researched this story, 
a lot of the websites were, I guess this was like a, a conspiracy theory for a while. And a lot of them were like, we fact check this and it's true. And I was like, motherfucker. So that is um, the, little cons- the little conspiracy by the government to poison your liquor. Just another reason but. not to trust the government. Yeah, I mean, they was doing a lot back then. I mean, because I don't really know why they thought that was going to work. I mean, I guess they thought people were going to just stop drinking Absolutely it. Absolutely not. But I mean, at that point, I guess they were willing to take death. I mean, the Spanish flu was around. It was like their version of the coronavirus. They needed to stay at home and drink some poison alcohol. Yeah, this is why... You should always support your local moonshiner. You know, just some man in overalls in the woods making bootleg liquor. Mm -hmm. That's what you need. Don't trust these Mm -hmm. government approved alcohols in the liquor store. Also, support your local business by buying moonshine illegally. Just kidding. Don't do that. Or, Or do. But don't say I told you to. I don't understand how the moonshine trade works. It's like not, it's either not illegal to make it, but it's illegal to sell it or something like that. I'm not really sure how exactly it works. Uh, I am a little puss. And so I typically cannot drink moonshine unless it's the uh, like moonshine place in uh, Tennessee. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is like not real moonshine. But it did get me messed up that one day. It at least fucked my heart rate up. I about died that day. My heart rate went up to like 200 beats per minute. I thought I was going to fall out on the floor. It didn't get me drunk, but it did give me a terrible migraine. Anyways, thank you for listening to that little ditty of a story about our government and their scheme to poison you. Thank you. I already didn't trust them. Still don't trust him. You ready for my story? Yes. All right. For this week, government conspiracy, I will be talking about the one and only Area 51. Nice. So, my sources, Business Insider, insider Insider.com, Wikipedia, BBC.com, Business Insider on YouTube, Vox.com, and Smithsonian on YouTube. Don't let that. Don't let all those sources fool you. This is a, this is gonna be a little a little quickie. <laughs> nice, my favorite <laughs> <a> quickie story. <laughs> Anyways, located just eighty three miles north of Las Vegas, sits a military air force base known as Area Fifty One. Now, no one knows why it is really called Area Fifty One, but the theory is that the name comes from the proximity that the base is from a nuclear test site located in Nevada. So pretty much Area 51 is about 51 miles from this nuclear test site. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess I would like to think that they just picked the name because it sounds kind of ominous. It don't, yeah, because it don't mean nothing. What did that mean? It don't mean anything. Now, the base is surrounded by high security, like armed guards, and heavy surveillance and signs warning to keep out. 
It's illegal to fly over the base and was for many years not visible via satellite. I think, I believe now you can view it maybe on Google Earth, but I don't know. And during the Cold War in the 1950s, U.S. planes were conducting low-flying recon missions over the USSR, but there was a concern that the planes may not be, like, may be shot down when they went to go fly over. So President Eisenhower came up with the idea to develop a high-altitude recon aircraft, which he named Project Aquatone. But, in order to develop and test an aircraft like what Eisenhower was planning, the military needed to find a place that wasn't easily accessible to civilians. So, what better place than the middle of the damn desert? Perfect. Where is this again? You already said it. It's New Mexico? Nevada. Okay. I mean, same, same, it's yeah, same, same diff. That Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, it's all the desert. In the desert, on a horse with no name. Anyways, so Area 51 was born, and the military began to test different planes at the base. In 1955, people started to report seeing unidentified flying objects around and in Area 51. At the time, the military was testing out a new aircraft known as the U-2 aircraft. The U-2 was able to fly at a height of 60,000 feet, which was unusual at the time because commercial planes in the 1950s could only fly at an altitude of 20,000 feet, and normal military planes could only fly at a height of 40,000 feet. So, for instance, if the U-2 was flying through the air, maybe they were testing it, it would be so high up that people would have difficulty recognizing that it was indeed a plane. And it kind of looked funny. So, you know, people were seeing it and they're like, well, that's a UFO. But even mm-hmm. pilots who would be flying at the same time as the U-2, because the U-2 would be at 60,000 feet, you know, it, it would still be pretty far away. So these pilots would see the U-2 and would report their sightings of an unknown aircraft to air control, which would lead to a large number of UFO sightings. And the military was aware that these reports were coming out and that people thought that UFOs were had something to do with Area 51, but they could not divulge the information of what was going on. They couldn't go out and say, hey, we're working on these aircrafts to get the communist, I guess. So they just basically, they basically, (laughs) they basically lied. And they chose to explain the sightings as a natural phenomenon and a high altitude weather research, which to me sounds like a whole bunch of bullcrap. Which, as you can imagine, the people (laughs) who heard this at the time were also like, that sounds like a bunch of bullcrap as well. So they started to develop their own theories of what the hell was going on. By the end of the 1950s, all the testing on the U-2 had concluded, 
but Area 51 would continue to be used for even more aircraft testing. So one of the aircrafts being tested was the F-117 aka Nighthawk, Lockhead A-12, and the Tactic Blue, which were all, in my opinion, very odd looking planes. They're like little fighter planes and they all look very odd. One of them's white. It looks like a UFO in my opinion. And the Nighthawk just looks scary. So I could imagine that if they were testing out these aircrafts that people would continue to get them confused with a UFO. So, with the government being pretty tight-lipped about what was going on, theories began to grow. One of the most popular theories is that Area 51 houses a fallen extraterrestrial aircraft. So, one of the reasons you may have thought this was in New Mexico is because Roswell, New Mexico, is a hot spot for UFO sightings. And I almost did my story on Roswell. Okay, yes. Um, but I felt that this had more to do, Area 51 had more to do with the government. So, Roswell already has a decent amount of UFO sightings. But in 1947, a local man claimed that a flying saucer had crashed into, like, onto his land. I think he was a rancher. So, crashes on his land. So, the aircraft was brought to a nearby military base where the military claimed that the aircraft was nothing more than a weather balloon. Which, I'm like, you know, the the government, if they are one thing, it is bad at coming up with lies. They need, like, to hire a person who specifically is their professional bullshitter. Yes, they do. They- and you think they'd be good at it because they're politicians. No. Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. They need a publicist. They should hire me. I can do it. I can do it for them. I'm creative like that, you know? Yeah, I think you could do it. But you hate government, so I don't know. But I guess as long as the the check doesn't bounce, she'll be wherever the money's at. (laughs) <laughs> and that will not be with the government so thank you <laughs> uh anyways uh so it's believed that the remains of that aircraft was sent to area 51 where it was tested along with the bodies of whatever was piloting the aircraft so some speculate that there are some extraterrestrials that were piloting that ship and that when that ship was transported that with it, its bodies were. While no one has ever entered Area 51 to confirm all these reports, several people have come out claiming to see UFOs floating above or nearby Area 51. And there's also been reports from some people who claim to have been abducted and tested by aliens while living near Area 51. Or that they were abducted and then questioned by people who might have worked for Area 51. But, Mm -hmm. in 1989, a man named Robert Lazar, who claimed to have worked 
in Area 51 reported that he had worked on alien technology. And Robert claimed that the government was using Area 51 to examine UFOs and that he himself had seen medical photographs of the aliens while he was there. Interesting. Which, if you've ever seen the movie E.T., you ever watched that? You ever trauma? Were you traumatized uh, by E.T. as a small child? I was several times. I I was. Um, I never. When I was little, I, I wouldn't make it too far into it because I'd get too scared. Because E.T. is a little scary looking. So, I'd usually just turn on Rugrats. So, anytime I stayed at my mom's house as a child, that was one of the you know five movies she had on VHS. So I watched E.T. hundreds of times. And it's a real cute movie at the beginning, but towards the end, they capture E.T. and they start to do, like, testing on him. And they start to do testing on the little boy. And it's so sad. And that's what I think of. That's what's happening in Area 51. Is these little aliens are just... He just... They just want to go home. What if the aliens are testing people there? Well, well. What if aliens are testing each other? You're. What if they're just Honey, you're testing my patience. (laughs) (laughs) Lord. Anyways, another aspect of Area 51 that contributes to the many theories surrounding it is its close proximity with the nuclear testing site. So the site frequently undergoes weapon testing and test bombings, as well as uh, testing, like, drones in the area, which I feel that, you know, anytime you see a drone, you're obviously going to think it's a UFO. So Mm -hmm. it would make sense that if you've got this military base where they are frequently testing aircrafts, but then you also have the nuclear test field where they are testing drones that people are definitely going to be like yes aliens exist they are ufos here but i also have found that with anything related to like nuclear power or like nuclear bombings people are always concerned about the radiation and that's effects on us so i could also see people probably spinning theories of Maybe the radiation in those areas make you mutated into an alien or something. I don't know. That seems like something the government don't want you doing. Have you watched the... You watched the Chernobyl Diaries? Oh, the Chernobyl? You ever watched that? No, I haven't, but... Uh Uh-huh. The radiation? Oh, that's a good movie. You'll see what radiation will do to you from that movie. Yeah, I have to watch it now. I know that you can go and visit Chernobyl. Now it's considered dark tourism, but and they limit like how uh-huh. long you can be there. But this is the interesting thing. So they limit how long you, a tourist, can be there. But they don't limit how many times a tour guide can take you on a tour. Like this is that person's job. I think. Well, I don't know, like, so, 
I was watching that show Dark Tourist, and I can't remember if they went to Chernobyl, but they went to uh, one of the places that was like had a nuclear explosion in Japan. I can't Is remember it Hiroshima? exactly where. Uh, but the I don't know if it was like a place where we dropped a like an atomic bomb or if it was like another like nuclear like explosion kind of like Chernobyl mm. situation. Um, I think it was one of those because I think it was more recent. I think it might have been whatever maybe happened like there was like a tsunami that made a um, place explode or something. Anyways, the tour guide in that kind of just seemed like they just kind of accepted the risks and just kind of went with it. But the people on the tour were freaking out because while they were there, they had, like, radiation detectors. And it just kept going, like, up, up, up while they were there. And they were freaking out. So I don't know about the tour guides unless when you sign up for this, you just know what could happen and you can't sue nobody if you get radiation sick or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like, you know, anytime you got nuclear something people are always like oh it's the government so mm-hmm. but honestly anytime anything happens that's unexplainable i'm like well it's the government the government there is from my hometown <laughs> there is like a military base that's kind of it's about i would say about 15 miles from where we are like, my parents live, and anytime anything happens, people are always like, oh, yes, that military base, it's got to be the military base. I don't care what happens. One time, <laughs> because I live on the coast, there was something that happened, and all these dead fish washed up on the shore. And more realistically, it probably had something to do with, I don't know, water pollution. I don't know. But all these dead fish wash up on the shore, and people are like, it's the military base. They are doing something. Is them testing this? We got to get out of here. And I was like, uh, mm, I don't know. But we also have a <laughs> nuclear power plant, like, also right next to where I'm from. So it's oh. just like double jeopardy. Yeah, that don't help the situation. Yeah, and anytime they were like, test out the alarms, we could hear it from my house. You can hear that. That would freak me out. Anyways. I'll be like, we gotta go. Anyways, despite years of conspiracy theories and allegations from the public regarding Area 51, the U.S. government did not publicly acknowledge the existence of Area 51 until 2013, when declassified CIA documents were released to the public. Then, four months later, Obama became the first president to mention Area 51 in the press. Now, I don't think he seriously was like, hey, yeah, Area 51, we got it. But I think he might have, Obama seems like the type of president, he he liked to make jokes. So I feel like he was probably on like Jimmy Fallon and was like, yeah, Area 51, wink, wink, LOL. My thing about Area 51 is like, it was a real place, like it's a real military base, right? Yes, it is in fact a or no. it is a real military base. It does exist. These are facts that we know. But they are pretty tight lipped okay. about what 
what happens there. And I guess, like, mm-hmm. no one had ever, like, a president had never mentioned it or acknowledged it, which I think is, like, was a big deal. Interesting. That's weird. Which, I mean, you would think, like, George Bush, he seemed like someone who would have let things slip. <laughs> if I was president, I... Yeah, you'd think somebody... You think somebody would have slipped? I would. I'd definitely let some things slip. I'd be like, yeah, so I was talking to so-and-so about, oh, God, no, I wasn't supposed to say that. I wasn't saying that I was supposed to talk to anybody. I don't talk to anybody. Nope. (laughs) Anyways. In summer of 2019, a college student named Maddie Roberts created a Facebook event titled Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Where over 2 million people... Okay. What? There's a girl that went to my high school that had that name. So when you said that, I was like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Maddie, Maddie Roberts. I don't know if it's uh, her. So over 2 million people RSVP to attend the event, causing the military to prepare for an actual invasion. When a spokesperson from the Air Force released a statement, it stated... Any attempt to illegally access military installation or military training areas is dangerous. So they were ready. The, the government was like, they coming. They got 2 million people that RSVP'd yes to going to that Facebook event. I Now, I will admit, <laughs> I also RSVP'd yes. Did I go? No, I, no, I did is not. Is it still available? Um, you know, I don't know. I bet you... If I looked in my Facebook past events, it's probably in there. I'm going to look it up. But the event was set to take place on September 20th, 2019. And while, you know, several million people said they were going to attend, only 6,000 people ended up showing up. Which I'm like, damn, 6,000 people? That's still a decent amount of people to go to the the middle of the (laughs) desert. But despite the large turnout, today, we still do not know what lies inside of Area 51. So although they their numbers were strong, I guess indeed they could, <laughs> they, they could stop all of us. Dang it. If there was two million of us, they wouldn't have been able they to. They would though. not. We, have had, we would have had an alien. We would have got that alien out of there. Broken him out. Now... <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this another little t- piece of tidbit information that I kind of thought was interesting. If you ever go to Las Vegas and you fly in, as I suspect you will, because who in the world lives close enough to drive to Las Vegas? I won't. Listen, I'm not going to drive. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of driving through the desert. I think that's like, oh, that's so nice. Like my living my Stevie Nicks dream, you know, I'm going to I'm be like Reese Witherspoon <laughs> in that one movie and just be in nature. But I also have watched The Hills Have Eyes. And that is why I'm like, maybe I won't drive through the desert because I'm scared. Maybe you can just rent a car, drive a little bit into it, and then just turn yeah, around I wanna, and drive back. Just I want to drive down Route 66. So, I was really affected by the Pixar movie Cars. I've been on... I've been on Route 66, but to be fair, I've been on the part that starts in, like, either Chicago or New York. So, 
Not on the desert side. Yeah, not the exciting part. <laughs> but if you're ever flying into Las Vegas and you get to the, you know, the airport and you notice some small unmarked planes behind gated areas at the Las Vegas airport, that is the planes that the employees who work at Area 51 get on to go to Area 51. So all the people that work at Area 51 live in Las Vegas, get on a plane, fly out there every day, similar to like how you get on like the subway or the metro to go to work. So all I'm saying is maybe you maybe you just saw scoot on into one of them planes, act real inconspicuous. They'll think you're they'll think you uh, that you know where you're going, that you're one of them, and you could just sneak on in. I could not do that because I suspect if I was in Las Vegas, I suspect I would just have tourists slap right across my forehead. And also be very hungover. Mm, they wouldn't They would know I do not belong because I would be shaking in my damn boots, stepping onto the airplane, and they'd be like, you clearly don't fly to work every morning. Which also, that sounds like my own personal hell. Having to fly in an airplane every single day to get to work. It seems like a waste of gas. There's got to be a better... There's got to be a more efficient way. That's true. They should just walk there. They should just get the aliens to be up there. That's what the... Yeah, they didn't think about that, did they? This is why why they should let us... You ever thought about using them to our advantage? (laughs) You ever thought about utilizing what you your resources but this is why they need us me and you they need us to work for area 51 you're gonna be the publicist i'm gonna be the bitch calling the shots obviously (laughs) already know yeah they need they need some new people to really really vamp it up really zhuzh up the place yeah maybe get some maybe get it out of the desert maybe get it into a tropical area perhaps yeah or if you go make it in the desert like maybe make it look better make it look like palm springs i want to look like the house where like i envision kim kardashian vacations in the desert not this crispy government building with the white walls and the fluorescent (laughs) lighting that doesn't sound like i wouldn't want to be there if i was an alien no god no maybe they i couldn't say i'm very confused about this place i don't even know like it seems fake but yet it's real why is it so secretive do i think it's aliens i don't know but the fact that it's still so secretive is quite suspicious no matter what's going on there but that is you know a brief history of area 51 and some conspiracy theories that surround them Thank you. You're welcome. You froze. You, so you froze. I, I froze. We all froze. <laughs> um, but thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for bearing, you know, bearing with us through this shitty internet connection. Uh-huh. My eyes are my <laughs> eyes are literally closed because I am so sleepy. But thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I don't know. Can you, can you rate us on Spotify or no? 
Nah, it's just Apple Podcasts. Come on now, Spotify. I know uh, you have the technology. I know. I know, for real. What's up? Uh, and also follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound Weird Pod, Twitter at Gonna Sound Weird, join the Facebook page, and follow uh, us on TikTok. Follow our account. Follow us on TikTok. Oh, yeah. We so posted three TikToks. TikTok. Uh, and send us your weird stories because one day we will do another Weird Wednesday. Uh, We've been slacking, but we got stuff to do. But send it to this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com and we'll probably send you something once we read it. We'll get to them. Get we promise. To it. You'll Just, get you gonna get yeah, that koozie and we that gotta, sticker, best believe. Look, we got things going on. We gotta worry about what the government's doing. We ain't got time. We got time to we can't do everything, you know what I'm saying? I can't do everything, but I am doing most things. <laughs> All right. Oh, the theme. Our theme for next week. Almost forgot it. The theme is Canadian murders. Oh, Canada. A. (laughs) So, yeah, Canadian murders should be something. I feel like for Canada being such a nice place, they have a decent amount of murders. I don't know about, I don't know specifically. Um, probably you know poison somebody's maple syrup i know some specific doozies they're like they may not have a lot but the ones they do have they're pretty rough i'm gonna see if Uh, i can find one where somebody we come up with i'm gonna see if i can find someone who murdered someone and then threw their body in niagara falls because i bet you that's happened Yikes. Yeah, that probably has happened. That'd be wild. All right. I'm gonna... We're gonna come back to it and see if you find that next week. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll come back next week. But, um... (laughs) Until then, thank you for listening, everyone. Yep. Stay weird. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm Clint. I'm Jeremy. And we're the host of the Know This Trivia podcast. Where we quiz each other on various topics from pop culture to politics to even pizza. Come for our trivia and stay for our witty remarks. Well, in Jeremy's case, it's going to be something cheesy. Quick, Clint, what was the most streamed TV show in 2020? The Gambit's Queen. The, wait, the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't a Netflix original. It was The Office. Oh, oh man, why did I? Okay, whatever. Yeah, obviously. And it was crazy. Blew out the ranks. So if you want more of that, listen in, learn with us, laugh with us, and subscribe to the Know This Trivia Podcast. New episodes every other Monday. And find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. No.